Welcome to the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Alessandra. And in this podcast, we take topics from both health and fitness, as well as the business side of things. We run two businesses, SD Evolution and Fit Coach Pro, and have a pretty unique perspective because we've had a lot of success, but we are not quite at the top of the food chain yet. Our mission is to help break down these topics so you can learn in an easy to digest manner and apply them into your daily life. In today's episode, this is another solo episode with me just talking about my birth story with Kai as well as why I have decided to shoot for a VBAC this time around. It's a question that you guys have asked in almost every Q&A and I've shared bits and pieces but there's just a lot to unpack here and some new information that I recently found out about my labor and delivery with Kai from almost four years ago. So there is a full YouTube video back from 2019 when I had Kai and I go into everything in detail. I'm literally making the video with Kai being a newborn on my chest. Um, so I actually went back to watch it today because I just wanted to make sure I was remembering everything correctly. And we'll start off with the fact that I requested my medical records a couple weeks ago from the hospital just because I never got to read through just what the notes were for my C-section. And even before that, there I knew there were a few things that happened that I probably could have avoided or, um, you know, at least had conversations about at the time, but I was just so uneducated about this topic. Um, and our mindset back then regarding labor and delivery was, you know, we're just going to wing it. And we didn't take any classes. Um, we didn't really do too much research. I just felt really overwhelmed at the time and I was just going to let my body do what it was going to do. But what I did not really understand at that time was there's often a lot of unnecessary intervention that happens when you have a hospital birth in the United States of America. Um, And I hear more and more about this just from friends who have given birth to reading stories on the internet um, and it's just mind-blowing. So I wanted to share my story again for you guys and also just kind of discuss my thoughts and current mindset and what I think and hope will be different this time. So let's just first talk about the medical records, I guess. Um, I'll go into my birth story here in a second, but something that I found that really was interesting in the notes was that my membranes were stripped two days before my water broke. So two days before my water breaks and I go to the hospital, my membranes were stripped. And that was not ever, like nobody ever asked me if that was something that I wanted. Nobody ever told me that that's what happened. And it's really interesting because my membranes were stripped at my last um you know, kind of on my last OB appointment. And she did a cervical check. I do remember that just because I was curious. Um, But she asked me first and I was like, you know what, fine. Like, I'm just curious to see where I'm at. I know it doesn't necessarily mean anything. And I remember her telling me I was one centimeter dilated. But in the notes, it says that she stripped my membrane. And I was like, well, that's news to me four years later. That's also considered abuse. And that's also something that doctors need to, 
you know, you, they, they need to get your consent before they do that. So that was kind of crazy to just be reading, you know, my charts and my notes and reading that that happened because that obviously triggered me going into labor, um, you know, not even two days later. So at that point I was 37 weeks and five days when they did that last check and I guess stripped my membranes which if you don't know that's basically when they're going in and they check your cervix and they kind of just use their finger to the way my current midwife explained it to me recently was you know they kind of just use their fingers to strip that it's like a a, I don't know how to explain it like a gummy substance that is like a barrier essentially and they kind of just strip that out of the way and sometimes it can cause labor to occur and things to happen other times it doesn't there isn't too much like backing to that especially at 37 weeks so that was kind of infuriating um just to find out that happened but honestly I'm not surprised just because of you guys who have been following our infertility journey, you know, I just had so many issues with that OB clinic that I was at previously and I'm no longer there. So it is not an issue now. I told my midwife about it at my last appointment last week and she just, she was obviously being nice because doctors don't want to like shit talk other doctors, obviously, but she was just kind of like, we will make sure that does not happen this time. Um, So that's just another caveat. And I think that's obviously why my water broke two days later, right before I think I was, I think I was 38 weeks. So maybe it was a little bit later than 37 weeks. But anyway, going to my birth story, and there is more of a detailed like raw version of me talking through this like right after it happened um but I'll just highlight like the main points in this so you guys are caught up but basically it was a Friday evening Josh was at a softball game I was kind of staying home and relaxing I was super tired and just kind of you know I didn't want to go out I wanted to go to sleep so I go to bed um around 2 a.m I get up to pee which is very common in pregnancy. And I just felt like I had the urge to pee. So I, I stand up out of bed. As soon as I stand up, gush of water. My water breaks. And it was like the movies. It was a lot. I was like, okay, <laughs> things are happening. And at first, I thought I peed my pants. And then, you know, as I'm, you know, getting more awake and walking out into the hallway, it's still gushing out. And I'm like, this is not pee. Like, this things are happening. This is it. So I remember I woke Josh up and he was just kind of like, he was calm, but kind of like, oh shit, this is happening. Cause it was, I mean, it was still early. It was a couple weeks early. So he calls the doctor. She tells us, you know, don't rush here, but you know, let her take a shower, gather your things, make your way here eventually. Because I did test positive for group B strep in Kai's pregnancy, which Um, basically they want you to take antibiotics when you are going into labor, when your water breaks, you have like a limited amount of time that they want, they want you to take antibiotics. So she's like, you know, don't rush here, but make your way over here. And that in hindsight was my first, uh, I don't want to call it a mistake, but something I wish I did differently was really didn't rush because I wasn't having contractions at that point. Um, and 
you know, I, I wish I would have been able to labor at home a little bit longer. Obviously, when your waters break, you're kind of on the hospital time limit. Um, so all things considered, I, I do wish we waited a little bit more. Anyways, I shower. Contract, contractions are starting like as soon as we get in the car. And we had a 30-minute drive to the hospital, but also had to drop Cal off at Josh's parents, which they were down the road at the time. Um, so we dropped Cal off and made our way to the hospital. And in the car, I remember I was timing the contractions and they were about five minutes apart or so. And they were starting to become painful. Like I had to really focus through them, breathe through them. Um, We get to the hospital and at this point, it's probably close to three in the morning. They did a cervical check. I explained that my waters broke and I was wearing a diaper at this point because I was like literally just like gushing out fluid. Um, And they checked the fluid to make sure it was actually, you know, indeed my water breaking and not just pee. I'm sure that happens a lot. And she did a cervical check, which, again, something I would not have them do right away. Um, but I was three centimeters dilated at the po- at that point. So initially, I wanted to at least try to have a natural birth <laughs> at that time. So I declined any anything, no epidural or anything when we got there. Um, at this point, Again, they were contractions were picking up, but they weren't anything like super intense at this point. Um, just breathing through it, I could tell when I was having one. They were still like three to four minutes apart, and I lasted three hours without an epidural. And then it got to the point where I I needed one. Like they were super painful. They were coming very fast, and I was having like double contractions. So I would have one, and then there would be no break, and I would have another one. So. I was just like, okay, I'm ready for the epidural. And up until that point, I did test out like the laughing gas and, you know, tried to, tried to do that, which it did help a tiny bit, like while I had the laughing gas mask on, but it wasn't significant enough where it was like super helpful. So, um, it just made me feel a little bit loopy. So, I get the epidural by this point, it's probably seven in the morning, they check me again, I'm four to five centimeters dilated, so I'm progressing, um, you know, the epidural helped a little bit, but it still wasn't like, I didn't experience that feeling where like you hear other people say like, oh, once I got the epidural, I was like laughing and I was so chill and relaxed, like, no, that was not my experience, um, And I did not want Josh touching me. I did not want anybody touching me. I was just kind of like, give me words of affirmation, but do not touch my hand. Do not pet my head. Like, do not touch me. (laughs) Um, So after that, after I had the epidural, they also gave me Pitocin. And I remember vividly, it wasn't like, do you want Pitocin? It was like, we're going to start Pitocin now. Which, again, there was another thing that I would have probably pushed back on a little bit and have had them wait or asked why they thought I needed it. At that point, I was progressing, and I remember them saying the reason they gave it to me, and this is in the notes of my medical records too, was that I just wasn't progressing fast enough and that they um, they wanted my contractions to be more intense, and they weren't intense enough, so... Another thing I would change moving forward. Um, 
So they give me the Pitocin and that was like hell. It made my contractions obviously more intense, but like so much worse. I was having a lot of those double contractions still, no breaks in between. It was just like not manageable. Um, so the doctor comes in and I asked for like an increase or more of the epidural because it just, I didn't feel like it was doing anything. So they increased it or whatever the terminology is. Um, they gave me more and that did help a little bit. I definitely was having a lot of back labor with Kai. Like I felt it like in my butthole and like just in my, in my butt. That's the best way I can explain it to you guys. It was just a very uncomfortable feeling. And I didn't know that that was back labor until like afterwards hearing other people's stories. And I was like, oh, that was, that was definitely back labor. Um, so they increased my epidural after about like another hour and a half. Um, Kai's heart rate started to drop a couple times. And at this point, like I cannot feel my legs at all. Like my legs are completely numb. I cannot move them on my own. I cannot like, you know, do anything. Like I just, I felt like I was paralyzed from the waist down. So when his heart rate dropped, they're like asking me to turn this way and to turn that way. And they're flipping me over and, that happened once and then it happened again. Um, it's only in my charts as it happening once. So I don't know if I'm just not remembering this right, but I remember it happened again and they got me into a position where I was like on my hands and knees. But when your legs are numb, it's freaking hard to balance on your hands and knees when you cannot feel your knees or your hips or your legs. So one of the nurses, the nurses like just switched shifts over, I think. And one of them came in and was like trying to help me flip over. And I don't think she realized like I literally had no feeling in my lower half. So when I went to flip over, my my upper body was supported, but my lower body would just like flop to the side, if that makes sense. Because obviously, you know, you don't really have much core strength at that point, And also you're numb waist down. So I like flopped over. I literally like fell halfway off the bed because she wasn't supporting me. So that was traumatic. Um, and every time, like when his heart rate would drop, all the doctors rush in. It's like a very scary thing because all these people are rushing in. Your butt naked or my butt was actually just up in the air because I'm on my hands and knees on the bed. So just spread eagle for everybody to see. It was just very traumatic. So we get into a position where like his heart rate was fine. Um, and then at this point, this is hours later, obviously. So just for a refresher, I get to the hospital at 3am. It's probably close to like 4pm at this point. Um, and they, my doctor does another cervical check or one of the nurses, I can't remember who, and I was nine centimeters. So I'm like in my head, I'm like, Oh, like I'm progressing. I'm almost there. We can push soon. And the doctor came in and this was, I'll never forget like this conversation. This was the only OB at my clinic that I did not see like throughout my pregnancy. Like usually they rotate you through and you see all of the doctors and you get familiar with them. This was the only one I did not see. She was a little bit older, kind of like old school vibes So she comes in and she checks me and she's like, well, you know, you're at nine centimeters. You're not really progressing that fast. He's not super comfortable in there. I think a C-section is best. 
because he's also a big baby. We know you had a, a late ultrasound. We know he's 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 big for where you're at in pregnancy. He's big for your body, you know. But it's up to you. I recommend a C-section, but you have the final call. So she kind of like freaked us out. She scared us. I'm already traumatized after like everything that has happened up to this point. And, you know, she walks away. I just felt like, you know, I just didn't have the support that I wanted to continue on. Um, and she kind of just like made me feel like if I chose anything other than a C-section, it would be like, you know, she, she wasn't supportive of that, which was hard because I really did not, I wanted so badly (laughs) to have a vaginal birth. Um, and, it just felt like at that point that like I just felt defeated, like my body was failing me, even though I know now that it wasn't. Um, and looking back, like none of those reasons are reasons that I should have needed a C-section because we know that a big baby is not a reason to have one. Um, it's a very slim portion of people who are not able to deliver a bigger baby and Kai wasn't even that big he ended up being less than nine pounds um so that's that's the birth story in a nutshell we obviously decided to have the c-section um and everything ended up fine but just going into this birth and this pregnancy I know now there was so many things that I could have asked why or pushed back on or just, you know, asked for a different opinion. Um, and it comforts me knowing that I have more of that knowledge now, as well as a clinic that fully supports me wanting a VBAC. So I go to a midwife clinic now, they're all midwives. Um, but I'm still giving birth technically in a hospital. It's a birth center in a hospital. Um, so if something were to happen and I needed another C-section, there would be a doctor there to be able to assist with that. But my team of midwives is obviously they cannot perform a C-section. They would be able to assist, I believe, but they're very pro VBAC for most people just because, you know, that's what they can do. So they know my history. Um, you know, they're supportive of everything and it just it makes such a difference having a provider who truly does care about you and care about what you want your birth to look like and, you know, what you desire it to look like. And I already know that this time is going to just be so different because of that sole reason. Like even if I end up having a C-section again, I know that I had the support to do everything in our power to get me to have a VBAC. So I'm feeling really good about it. I think that before we got pregnant again this time, um, people would ask, you know, like if you do get pregnant again, would you want to go VBAC? Would you just schedule a C-section? And for me, you know, for a long time, I didn't know. But as soon as we got pregnant, it's just like I had this like moment of clarity and like knew in my gut that's what I wanted. So we're going to try. <laughs> We're going to do what we can to have a successful VBAC. Um, it's also been, it'll be over four years at that point when, when I give birth. So, you know, everything is more than healed. I'm not really concerned about anything. I'm not worried about anything. I think there is so many 
unnecessary interventions that happened with Kai and with my pregnancy with him that led to the C-section. And I think it could have possibly been different if we had more of that knowledge otherwise. So if you take anything from this episode, it's to do your research and to go with your gut and to not, you obviously want to trust your doctor, but if they're giving you any red flags or reasons that just don't feel good um, or just aren't sitting with you well, I think it's it's important to either ask them why they think that and ask why they cannot support whatever you're trying to get them to support. And if they can't, it's okay to switch doctors too. It was admittedly not easy to switch. And, you know, I spent a lot of time researching trying to find a better doctor. So it wasn't easy. And then like obviously getting all your records over, it's such a pain in the butt. But I will tell you guys, it is so worth it. It is so worth having people who truly care about you and my personal experience with having a midwife is completely different than having an OB. Like my OBs would spend maybe 10 minutes with me, 15 minutes per appointment. Um, my midwife spends a good 20 to 30 minutes with me every appointment. And it's just, you can tell that they truly care about you. So I know I'm not, this is not me speaking in absolutes. This is just my experience. There are plenty of great OBs out there and there's probably plenty of crappy midwives, but you know, I think we all do have an inner gut feeling about people and about who we feel comfortable with and who we feel we can, you know, really trust. And I think it's important to have that during pregnancy. So, um, yeah, I'm going to leave it here. Um, I might do a follow-up if you guys do have questions um, or anything about this topic or maybe like once we get closer to August when I hopefully will give birth or maybe early September, who knows. Um, You know, I might do a follow-up on just different things that I've learned. I'm probably not hiring a doula at this point. I don't feel like I need one. I think I can advocate well for myself. Um, I think that obviously having the support of all of my midwives, it makes me feel better. So I think, you know, if it was a circumstance where I did have a not super supportive OB or I was in back in the hospital that I delivered Kai at, I would probably hire a doula just to have that added layer of accountability and support. But I don't feel at this time that I need one. And who knows, I might change my mind, but that's how I feel right now. Um, I feel really confident. I feel really good about going into this feedback. And I think that's also something you have to consider, like what are you most comfortable with and what really is going to make you feel your best um, when it comes to having another C-section or choosing VBAC. And it's not that one's better than the other. This is just what I think is right for me. So I will keep you guys updated, but I just wanted to share that. It's been a common question and I know I have, you know, the old video up on YouTube, but that was a good little recap for anybody who's new to following or just not familiar with our, our birth story from the first time. So thank you guys for listening to this little solo episode. And as always, DMs are open with questions. If you enjoyed this, feel free to share it or, you know, tag me on social media. If you're listening, I always appreciate that. And we will catch you guys in the next one.